Ferrari versus Volkswagen. Obviously, Volkswagen owns Porsche and Audi. Let's take a look at these two stocks head-to-head. -head. Ferrari has been on an absolute tear, whereas Volkswagen has done almost nothing for a long, long time and might be tremendous value. Let's figure out how much hard jack these stocks make, and if you bought them today, held them for a decade, how much you'd make. Also, we're going to do a giveaway this, this week, so stay tuned for more on that. Ready? Let's get to work. Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the channel. I greatly appreciate it. This week up, obviously, we're going to be doing Ferrari and we're going to look at Volkswagen, the two amazing stocks. Uh, as we always do on this channel, we're looking at the enterprise level where value investors, we look for stocks that have high free cash flow and sell at reasonable value. We don't need to be the cigar butt picking up stocks. We're not looking for things that are absolute dirt cheap. That's extremely rare in this market and there are just too many people uh, nowadays in the stock market for that to really happen. Uh, what we look for is a reasonable price. And we use a basis for this beginning analysis we call the five key attributes. And those are as follows. Number one, top line revenue growth. We want a stock that's growing its revenue. Number two, earnings growth. We use EBITDA at the enterprise level. Earnings must be growing. Number three, strong free cash flow. Number four, low debt. That's less than three times debt to EBITDA. And number five, a well-priced stock. That's probably the biggest of the five characteristics. A well-priced stock is a stock with a reasonable forecast you expect to beat the market over time. That's it. It's easy to say it's very hard to do and you, uh, you end up passing over an awful lot of companies before you find one that meets those criteria among other that you need to do on your due diligence. Seek financial advice. This is my channel. It's just a simple vlog of my thoughts. The giveaway. Okay, what we're going to do is if you are a subscriber to this channel, you comment for the algorithm down below and let me know and you like the video, those three things. I need a comment, has to be about a stock you wanna see. You do those three things, I will pick a winner in next week's video, and that winner will get one month free access to the Cashflow Club to check it out. So give me a, you hit the subscribe button, you hit the like button, and you throw a comment down below to help the old algo, and that comment is the stock that you want to be reviewed. I will then uh, choose from those people, announce the winner in the next week's episode, and that winner will get a one month free uh, cash flow club membership to check out the club. We're also that month going to be doing the cash flow quarterly webinar. So this person will also get access to the quarterly webinar. All right. Okay. Behind me is the cash flow club. Diogo is the analyst who's covering the automotive sector. He's looked at Ferrari and he's looked at Volkswagen among other stocks. But we're going to cover those two in this in this uh, episode. Let's take a look at some of the metrics he's put forth on Ferrari. Obviously, Ferrari is the ticker race. Here you can see revenue has been growing and free cash flow has been growing strongly. That's contributing to the uh, the higher market multiple in this stock and the, the frenzy, if you will, to participate in this investment. Another one I like to look at is the number of vehicles that they have sold. Uh, Ferrari is selling more and more vehicles. We have a forecast here on what we believe they will sell going forward and what they have sold in the past to give you an idea of how we base our forecasts. Uh, but they definitely have been growing their vehicle sales uh, over the last decade and we expect that to continue. Okay, let's dive into the one pager that Diogo has put together. You can check out these at cashflowinvestingpro.com. Diogo is one of our analysts. He's covering the automotive industry and he recently released both Ferrari and Volkswagen. Let's take a look at Ferrari. Ferrari, obviously a growth story, right? So they IPO'd, let's see, in 2015, 
We got 10 years of data here, so 10 years of revenue. Uh, these are all in USD, by the way, fiscal year uh, ending December 31st. So you got $3.2 million in 2013 of top line revenue on $865 million of EBITDA earnings before interest tax, depreciation, and amortization. That $3.2 million is kind of flat for the first four years and then starts taking off the last, say, six years to four. 3.9, 4 4.1, 4.2, 4.8, 5.4 mil, billion dollars last year of top line revenue for Ferrari. A very nice, very nice growth rate of revenue that checks the box. EBITDA earnings, enterprise level earnings. You want a business that's growing its earnings in total. A lot of people look at earnings per share, which is a valid metric. However, that can be manipulated by the number of shares outstanding. So you want a business that can grow its total earnings. In this case, Total earnings is growing at 9% annually for Ferrari. Over the last decade, they finished just shy of $1.9 billion of earnings on $5.4 billion of revenue. Fantastic. That 9% annual growth rate is higher than the 6% annual growth rate of revenue. So that means margins are growing over time as they scale. Fantastic. Great job, Ferrari. They have some debt. Their debt has grown from $435 million to $2.9 billion, but their earnings have grown uh, fantastically, so that's probably not going to be much of a problem. They have excess cash on their books. When I look at their balance sheet, they have $1.4, $1.5 billion of what we consider excess cash. That's generally cash that they're going to put in the short-term investments bucket on the balance sheet. Market cap has been very favorable. IPOing around $9 billion, and the stock price recently, end of fiscal year, is $40 billion. So you bought the IPO at $9 billion, you're up to $40 billion. Great job, buyer of the IPO. If I add the debt, less the cash, plus the market cap, I get, no, I get to know, I get, I get what's called enterprise value. That is the entire value of the business, and that's the number you want to be looking at, not market cap. Market cap is here. Enterprise value is this market cap is what's traded in the stock market. That's the number of shares outstanding times price. That's market cap. Enterprise value takes into consideration the debt that they have. Much like if you bought a house, the down payment that you put in a house and the equity value in the house is, is the equity value, right? But it ignores the bank loan if you mortgaged the property. The enterprise value is the entire value of the house. That's what you want to track over time. When I take a debt to EBITDA, we look at a risk, uh, a measure of bankruptcy or just a, an ability to afford the debt that they have. We want this number to be less than three times. Why three? Typically, a bank will lend three times EBITDA as a senior lender on a company. You get past three times, you get into what's considered junior capital that has higher interest rates and more risk. So they're sitting at 0.8 times debt to EBITDA. That's a great unlevered position. That also means that there's extremely little debt between you, the equity holder, and the assets of the company should the company go to business or some sort of catastrophe befall it. Uh, you as a stockholder have stock upside potential, but your protection is bond-like. You have a very high priority claim on the assets of the company with nobody in, in front of you, which is a great spot to be in. Enterprise value to EBITDA, this is simply a, a, a value metric. It takes the enterprise value of the company, divides it by the annual earnings that they make to give you a relative value of how many times forward earnings you are paying 
This stock, no surprise, is very high. So you're paying right now 22 times earnings for a company that is IPO'd in 2015 and has been growing earnings at 9% a year on average for the last uh, eight years or so. Uh, that's a strong multiple for a car company. And you can see that the multiple was 16, 17 times at the IPO and has grown substantially as they have continued to perform and grow. Cash flow, they made $1.48 billion of free cash flow, cash flow from operations last year. They put back into the business $852 million. So you take these and subtract them and you get roughly $635 million of free cash flow. <clears throat> they borrowed a hundred, so this is $735 million of free cash flow. Now that cash flow is what the stock price is value on. The entire uh, argument of what a stock price is or how much it's worth, how much a company's worth, is a philosophical debate on what this number is going to be in the future. That's it. If you want, you want to distill what a stock price should be, it's the forward value of earnings represented in a dollar today. That is this number projected out into time and you can either present value it or you can just sum the whole thing up and know that you're not discounting it. One of the two. You can also represent this on a per share basis. Take shares, divide these two, and you get a per share basis, so it's four bucks. That's how much cash flow Ferrari makes. The question is, if you buy one share of stock, you're gonna get a claim on $4 of cash flow. What does that cash flow look at like in the future? If I grow that at 9% like they have been growing it, what's that current value and how much am I, how much am I paying for that stock? That's the whole argument of what a stock price is. If we look at this stock uh, long term, we take their for we take their growth rate and we string it out forward. So I've got two forecasts down here. At the bottom of the one pager, it shows us what the uh, what the growth rate could be, and if it is, how much the stock is worth. So first, I'll take a look at the stock um, chart itself. The stock chart <clears throat> since IPO has absolutely gone at a forty five degree angle. Great job, Ferrari team. Now the question is, do you want to pay for that? What we try to do, and what you should try to do when you build a forecast, is you want to build some conservative, uh, conservativeness into the forecast. This is essentially the moat that Warren Buffett talks about. You want to buy a company that's got a defensible moat or has some margin of error, margin of safety, as Seth Klarman's book. That's what you're trying to do, and that's what we try to do here. We try to build a forecast that is conservative, and then if the stock price is still turns into a buy, then we know we have a good deal because we have a great company with a conservative forecast that can beat the market. We want the stock price to come to us. Why? You can't possibly buy every stock out there, so why try? Find the best companies that you want to own, give conservative forecasts to those business, and let the stock price come to you, then you buy it. That's how you buy a winning portfolio. So what we're doing is we're taking last year's, last year's EBITDA, $1.8 $9.5 billion and you grow it at 13% year over year. That's somewhat guidance that they're giving us for next year based on their growth rate. Historically, we believe this is going to be, it's, it's possible, reasonable to expect. So we're going to grow that. But over time, we're going to bring down the growth rate because we have no idea what's going to go on in the future. So we don't want to pay for that. You're going to bring down the forecast to build some conservativeness into this stock. And what that does, it takes 1.2 billion next year of EBITDA and makes it essentially three. So they're gonna add a billion dollars of annual earnings over the next decade on this company. So it's still growing, still a healthy, a child that's a 50% increase in EBITDA, by the way. That is a very healthy move for a business. 
The question is, what's the stock price if that healthy growth happens? Well, I put a 20 times market multiple on it. Market multiple over here ranged as high as 30. It's currently 20, so I'm keeping the market multiple flat. No expansion, no contraction. That means I'm at $61 billion of enterprise value. I multiplied it to. Uh, less some debt plus some cash, $60 billion of market cap. Divide that by the shares outstanding today. We're, we're not changing those long term. And I get a $326 stock price out 10 years from now. now. I can do the same thing essentially with free cash flow and a yield and I get a $248 stock price on a free cash flow basis. I split these two and I'm saying rough, rough numbers, $287 out 10 years is a conservative target for Ferrari. Well, so then you look and say, what, what can I buy the stock for today? Well, I can buy the stock for, I can buy all the stock I want right now for $313 a share. There's a problem there. If you're buying at 313 today and you think it's going to be 287 in 10 years, there's not much appreciation here based on this conservative forecast. Obviously, the market thinks they're going to continue to grow faster than this. That's not the point. The point is, how much growth are you willing to pay for with your money? If I'm willing to pay for this forecast, then this stock to me is overpriced. And that's what you're seeing in this 1% IRR here. It's telling you, hey, look, there's too much risk here of the, the, the company underperforming future expectations. And if that happens, your stock price is going to go down. You're going to lose principal. Also, this market multiple could absolutely come back, come back down to 13, 15, 17. Something less than 20 would also weigh down on your, on your, um, your, your stock performance. So for, for us at the cash flow, I'm giving it a man. Because it's still a growth company. Revenue growth, check the box. Earnings growth, check the box. Strong free cash flow, it's there. Low debt, yes. Well priced, no, it's not. So you get you get four out of five. You put this you put this one pager off to the side. You get a Ferrari poster, you put it up on the wall, and you wait for the market to melt down. At some point, the market melts down. This stock comes back into reasonable territory and it comes, becomes a great buy because it is a great company. But that doesn't mean you pay too much for it today. Let's take a look at Volkswagen and do the comparison of the two and find some lessons that we're learning here. All right, behind me is Diogo's analysis of Volkswagen. As you can see, kind of a completely different story here. Top line revenue is relatively flat with slight growth rate. Free cash flow, the margin here between top line revenue and free cash flow is a lot smaller and it is growing, but it's a lot smaller than Ferrari. Okay, vehicle sales. You can also see that they make a whole lot more cars than Ferrari. This number was considerably less than Ferrari, uh, and it did fall recently. We expect that to continue to rise over the long term with our forecast being here and forward. We do expect it to rise, but at a very steady pace over time. All right, let's dive into the cash flow one pager for Volkswagen. What you're gonna notice here is scale. Size is dramatically different. Revenue in 2013, these are all in dollars, by the way, we've converted them into dollars, $271 billion of top line revenue in 2013, $271 billion. As a comparison, Ferrari did $3 billion, $3 billion. So that's 1% the size of Volkswagen. Again, Volkswagen is the largest car company in the world. Uh, by, by car sales and revenue, by the way. Tesla is the biggest market cap because it gets the biggest market multiple. Congratulations, Elon. 
Uh, but so revenue then has grown, like I said, weekly for not 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 weekly in time, but weekly in terms of size. Uh, little pun there. Uh, yeah, it's late at night. What do you want? Um, so three hundred million, three hundred billion dollars is last year's top line revenue for Volkswagen. So over the decade, they grew annually one percent on average every year. Very slow, below inflation. Uh, I think that's that's kind of two takeaways there. So last year, Ferrari did five point four billion. And Volkswagen did just shy of $300 billion, $300 billion. I don't know why I'm being surly today. Um, and they're saying, they're, Volkswagen's putting on forecast there about $316 billion for next year. EBITDA, EBITDA for them, $29 billion. Fell during the collapse to $9 billion. They kind of recovered to 36 billion. So they went from 29 to 36. That's actually a $10 billion increase on flat revenue means margins are growing. That's nice. That actually takes some management skill to squeeze more margin out of flat revenue. I like that. Maybe they can move this number here uh, and this business will actually expand its market multiple. That's what's holding it back. So they're making 3% annual growth rate uh, of the profit on 1% annual uh, revenue, at least Profit is keeping up with inflation. As a comparable, EBITDA for Ferrari was $1.9 billion. Uh, these guys make $36 billion. That is a lot of jack. Uh, and in terms of size, the absolutely monstrous over Ferrari. Now, debt, they have a tremendous amount of debt. So they went from $133 billion to $182 billion, 3% match growth rate on EBITDA. So their leverage ratio isn't changing, but it's a lot more than Ferrari's. They do have excess cash, about $30 billion. Market cap, average shares times price. Market cap has absolutely been destroyed on this company. You had $266 billion market cap early in the decade. Its market cap is now $68 billion. And here's where it gets very interesting when you start comparing the two companies. So remember, $300 billion of revenue, $30 billion of, $36 billion of profit, $68 billion of market cap. That's only two times earnings on your market cap. Uh, also interesting, the market cap of Ferrari is only 40, is only, is, is 40 billion. So I can buy a Ferrari and, and, and Volkswagen are almost, almost the same price. $40 billion of market cap for Ferrari, $68 billion for Volkswagen. I understand those numbers aren't exactly the same. A little a liter, a literary license, please. But to drop from $260 billion over the decade to $68 billion, is an absolute monster crush, and that's making these stocks roughly the same equity value. Now, I add the debt to the equity, the enterprise values are different because uh, Volkswagen has a tremendous amount more leverage. $368 billion market cap earlier in the decade, that has fallen because market cap has fallen for this stock, even though debt has slowly increased, uh, to $219 billion. So it's taken off a uh, hundred and what is that? 140, 140 billion dollars of value have been destroyed or lost at Volkswagen, despite earnings have gone up by 10 billion dollars. 
So what does that mean? That means our, our, our ratios have changed dramatically. Let's cover the debt ratio first. So the debt ratio here, they have been above three times for as long as I can see. So I don't think that's going to change. They'll probably remain above our three times leverage. They have four times leverage currently, which is too high for me in a market that is challenged by higher interest rates and a market that's being uh, upended by the electrification of the automotive industry and the amount of capex that this company has to put into the business. They should be deleveraging. They should have been deleveraging a long time ago. They have an issue because they have to take the free cash flow that they make. They have to pay down their debt and they have to invest for the future. You can't, it's, it's difficult to do both of those at the same time. <clears throat> so they're going to struggle for that and that's not going to check the box for us. Enterprise value that you would how much is the market discounting you know, this, this is not a new revelation. I'm not, I'm not showing anybody anything that they haven't seen before. So then how much is the market discounting the stock because this information is, is publicly available? Well, substantially. This company has been cut in half in terms of the market multiple. It used to trade at 13 times enterprise value to EBITDA. It is now trading at six times enterprise value to EBITDA. That means you're paying six years of cash flow. That is very, very cheap <clears throat> in my opinion for an extra turn of, of risk on debt, the business value has been halved. As a comparison, you were paying six times earnings, so, so Volkswagen makes $36 billion a year in, in, in uh, earnings. You're paying six years forward of earnings for a business that grants you has higher leverage and has some structural issues, but you get your money back in six years. Uh, versus Ferrari, which you're paying 20 times earnings for. It does not have any debt, but you need to grow into those earnings. If the growth falls because of some unknown factor or something that's outside of Ferrari's impact, you're going to lose your money. Here, this could come down and you have a risk of bankruptcy where you have to pay off those note holders first. So that's an issue. But if, if, they, can, if they can pass this, they don't need to grow all that much to be able to provide you with a long-term uh, a long-term return and a possible market multiple multiple expansion if they fix that. So kind of two different stories here, growth versus value. I'm not sure if this qualifies for value because of the leverage, but uh, that's kind of the idea here. Let's take a look at cash flow from operation. Cash flow from operation is growing at 6% per year, $30 billion of free cash flow. That growth rate is in line with the growth rate of EBITDA, so we can check the box on that good job accounting team. Also, I'll note that to do the same comparison for Ferrari, it was 10% growth rate on the free cash flow and 9% on the EBITDA. So Ferrari's accounting team is doing an excellent job as, as well. Why do we check that, by the way, in case you're new to the channel? Why do you want cash flow growing at the same rate as EBITDA? Well, they're coming from two different statements. EBITDA comes from the income statement. Cash flow is the first third of the cash flow statement. And many times, not many times, um, uh, it, Management is given leeway on how they present income, sta income statement items like, like depreciation, like, like revenue. There are things that they can play with when they recognize costs over time to smooth out the numbers. But you want to make sure that over time, cash flow and earnings, the cash flow statement and the income statement are reflecting the same numbers and trends over time. That means the accounting team is being um, um, up front with you with what's going on. If you ever see a business where the EBITDA is growing, but cash flow is negative for a long period of time. That's a problem, and you do not want to look at that business. 
Let's go. Uh, let's go. Uh, Volkswagen. So Volkswagen, thirty billion dollars of cash flow operations, less thirteen billion of capex. By the way, uh, that capex number is absolutely huge. Ferrari puts in eight hundred and fifty million, um, whereas Volkswagen puts in almost fourteen billion dollars annually into their infrastructure. They're making massive, massive debt payments, $8 billion a year to try to buy down this debt. It does look like they're doing that a uh, little bit. So, so they had $200, $200 billion of debt uh, in 2022, $204, then $200, then $187. So they're buying down the debt, which is nice to see very slowly. It's about $7 billion at a time. It's going to take them a long, long time to buy, buy down $180 billion of debt. So free cash flow as a result is a little bit weaker shares and you get a cash flow per share of about a dollar 75 cents per share. So after all of this, it's interesting to know that the per share cash flow for Volkswagen is a dollar 75, whereas the per share cash flow of Ferrari is $4. So Ferrari makes more cash flow per share than does Volkswagen. And I would expect Ferrari to be at a higher price than Volkswagen, and that in fact is the case uh, by, by a long shot. But this is where they come up with the value. So this is making $1.75 per share, and it's a function of the number of shares outstanding. In terms of total, total cash flow, um, Volkswagen absolutely dwarfs Ferrari. So total cash flow after the pay down of debt, uh, Volkswagen makes $9 billion of free cash flow. Ferrari's number was $700 million. So Volkswagen makes 10 times the cash, more than 10 times, the cash flow, free cash flow after debt service. Volkswagen makes more than 10 times the free cash flow than Ferrari, but Ferrari trades in a, at the same market cap. So I think when you, when you argue for value, you have to ground it in something. Value is grounded in asset values in the balance sheet. It's grounded on the debt levels. It's grounded on the cash flow that it makes. It's not on what, what, what you believe the forward sales are going to be or the name branding. And when I look at this stock, I see a stock that's trading very cheaply and producing a tremendous amount of free cash flow that you pay very little for. The market cap here, $70 billion for a company that's throwing off $8 billion of free cash flow. That's an over a 10%, yeah, right there. 12% 12, 12 free cash flow yield. If I look at the Ferrari cash flow yield, 1.8%. So, so Ferrari is absolutely driven on expectations of future sales. Whereas Volkswagen, I think everyone's given up on future sales and you can buy this company for a double digit free cash flow yield. And then if they actually pick up the sales, if they fix the electrification eight, nine, 10 years from now, that recovers, you're gonna get that bounce from the market multiple. This number here going from six back up to 10, 12, you're gonna double your money there. So I think that's where the value play comes in with Volkswagen. But let's go through and, <clears throat> and see how Diogo's forecast this stock. I will show you the stock chart itself looks absolutely the inverse of Ferrari, right? So, so this is just downward sloping, uh, the opposite of Ferrari, uh, upward sloping. But that's where you get into the value territory. You have to be able to think differently and buy something that the, other, that the rest of the market is telling you is worthless. That's the only way to get something that is discounted because no one else is willing to buy it.
So let's take a look at the forecast. <clears throat> so what do we have? We have a forecast of pretty weak growth, 2% annual growth annually with a 4% growth year over year. So $36 billion last year of $38 billion. That 38 is going to go to 46. So you're adding $10 billion on earnings long term. That 10 billion is basically a third increase over from 60 from 36 billion to 46 billion, 10, 10 billion dollars over that period of time. The market multiple we're attaching is a six times. By the way, remember we use 20 times market multiple is the long-term target for Ferrari. This is six. It's incredible. So that means you're gonna have an enterprise value of $278 billion, less the 168, $182 billion of debt, so we don't pay it down. Gives you a market cap of $127 billion divided by shares, a $25 stock price. I do the same thing for free cash flow and a $25 stock price for free cash flow. Average them two, call it 25 bucks. Now, how much can I buy the stock for today? Well, I can buy as much stock at Volkswagen as I want at $13 a share. Again, Ferrari in terms of share prices was $300. This is $13 if you want to just focus on the share price, which again, you should not do. Look at enterprise value. The market values are the same. Oh, great lesson here for you. So how is it that the market caps are the same? You've got $68 billion here. Ferrari market cap was $40 billion, yet the stock prices themselves are $13 and $300. You're being manipulated. Companies will control the number of shares outstanding to set the stock price in a particular range. Ferrari is a premium company, a luxury brand. They want a higher price. They will limit the number of shares by doing reverse splits to shrink the number of shares to make the stock price higher. You see the stock quotes of $300. Wow, that's an expensive company. It's, it's perception. The company can, can manipulate the, the, the number of shares outstanding which changes the price. Very quick example. So Ferrari's market cap, $41 billion. Shares outstanding, 168. You divide the two, you get 300 bucks. That's how they set the price. The market cap is what the market's gonna do, $41 billion. But the shares, the company can control how many shares they have. They can dilute themselves, do a two for one split, stock price halves in value. Market cap doesn't change, but the stock price does. So companies will set the target price to give the investors an allure of value of higher price or lower price. So be, be prepared for that. Focus on the market cap. The market cap of these two companies is roughly the same for significantly more cash flow in uh, in Volkswagen at a significant cheaper market multiple. And as a result, when I take this stream of cash flow and the price appreciation, I get an 18% IR. That is 18% on every year on your money. One, two, three, for a decade if this forecast pans out. And again, you need 2% annual growth and zero market multiple expansion and you make 18% of your money. Ferrari, just to recap, Ferrari, we need 10, 12, 10, 8% declining growth. You need basically a 50% increase in your EBITDA, and you have to maintain a 20 times market multiple on those, on those earnings. So those are the two different, uh, different companies. I, I tend to like 
Um, let, let's recap the five key attributes for Volkswagen. Number one, top line revenue growth. Yes, it's there, it's growing. It's very, very weak, but it's growing. Number two, uh, EBITDA, EBITDA is growing, check the box. Number three, strong free cash flow, absolutely, it's a huge number. Number four, low debt, no, can't check the box. And number five, well-priced, yes, it is well-priced. I'm gonna give this stock a meh, eh, because of the debt, <clears throat> because the debt does not check the box. I don't want to say it's a pass. You want to watch this stock. They need to be able to grow earnings to grow into their leverage or pay down the debt. Um, I think it's a very interesting value case. However, the structurally what the what the what the uh, car industry has to go through in the next decade to fix itself. Uh, find the raw materials to be able to do that much electrification. I think those are structural headwinds on this industry. And I think there's less risky investments in the market, but um, that is a more macro issue for me, uh, for the industry. In terms of this, this stock and these numbers, it does look like it pencils out as a very interesting value case. So that's, that's the difference between Ferrari and Volkswagen. I think you've got growth versus value, a huge, a huge uh, disparity uh, in this market as it continues to pay high, high multiples for growth, expecting that we're just gonna continue sailing off into the future. This is Rational Investing with Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you for watching the channel. Greatly appreciate it. Again, um, give me a subscribe. I'm trying to grow my subscribers and uh, a like on the video to help the old algorithm and throw a comment down below. What I'm gonna do is next week in the video, I will announce a winner. That winner will get a month of free, uh, member, free membership to the Cashflow Club. That will also be the month that we do the quarterly webinar. So you'll be able to attend that for free. You can ask me questions. We'll do a live, it's a, it's a live feed where I go through my top picks. I look at the economy and we look at kind of market multiples and where the market is. So I really hope to see you there. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, this is Rational Investing with Cameron Stewart. Take care, bye-bye.